Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. And today we are talking about Levistus. Hey Brian. Hey Will. How you doing? I'm I'm doing super good, man. Yeah? How are you? I'm doing great. Whoa! You know why? Uh, because it's the year of the fiend. Absolutely. And the power Indeed. surges within. It does. Okay, cool. Uh, on our last episode of this year of the fiend, we got hot and heavy with two archdukes in their lair of hot magma. They were making out the whole time. <laughs> Incident- it was so fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> Incidentally, both of which are considered to be a couple hotties themselves and also possibly get hot and heavy with each other, regardless of how inappropriate that may or may not be. Yeah, they don't seem to care about that. They don't. Or what, like they, they only have one pair of jeans between all, <laughs> all of them. Well, it's time we cooled things off and took a dip in some icy water. Ooh. The next Archduke of the Nine Hills we're covering dwells in one of the coldest places in all the cosmos, the frozen wasteland of Stygia. Nice. Very and, cool. And getting hot and heavy with anyone or anything is physically impossible for him because he is permanently encased in an impenetrable iceberg. Unable to move or speak. Levistus, that is. That is, yeah. That's right. It's time to talk about Levistus, the frozen prince, the lord of the fifth layer of Beator. He's waiting for a, a young waterbender brother and sister to find him <laughs> locked yeah, in the ice. Absolutely. So Levistus, the lord of Stygia, is quite possibly the single most hated and distrusted of all the archdevils of the Nine Hells. The self-titled prince was known far and wide for his treachery and deceit long before both caused his imprisonment in the ancient iceberg, often referred to as his tomb. He was imprisoned there by Asmodeus himself for reasons that few can even guess about. The world probably needed him most, so they, <laughs> yeah, they put him in there. Indeed. Levistus's <laughs> true appearance is widely unknown to those who never knew the Archdevil before his imprisonment so long ago. It is said that from the outside of his glacial prison, he can be he can only be seen as a small black blot a quarter mile within the mountain of dark ice. The ice is, however, transparently blue enough that onlookers can perceive his frustrated posture from any angle. Oh. For those capable of a closer inspection, or for those who knew the Frozen Prince before he was so frosty, Levisus appears to be a six-foot, or 1.8 meters, tall humanoid male with dark hair, a neat goatee, and an extremely, extremely pale complexion. I think the goatee is like the go-to facial hair representation. Oh yeah, for sure. In the Nine Hells, probably. Absolutely. Uh, He would be able to pass for a human if not for his shark-like pointed teeth and pupilless coal-black eyes that practically radiate 
Deep Darkness. That's pretty cool. Like those two things are kind of dead giveaways. And yes, they are pretty cool. He looks like Doctor Strange with shark teeth. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, in the days of his freedom, Levistus wore loose silken clothing and carried a shining rapier. Now uh, he does so still when meeting mortals in projected form, donning fanciful garments and other finery. When appearing as an aspect, the air around him is freezing cold and his clothes are always partially frozen and dripping with water. Now, an aspect is like an avatar of him, right? Yes. It's not like a, it's just a representation of him. Yes. And it does has a, have a physical form, right? Yes. I know this from my research on uh, Demogorgon. Shout out to Demogorgon. Shout out to Demogorgon. Aspects of Demogorgon show up and they just kind of look like Demogorgon. Like, and they have a portion, a sliver of his power. Yeah. yeah so like it'll be like a baboon faced like raptor body sort of look with tentacle arms there'll only be one head instead oh of two, interesting that sort of thing because like maybe each of the the personas has their own aspects yeah or just like a piece of demogorgon will show up and like embody itself somehow it's like there's a lots of different versions right okay, okay. interesting Levistus is an archdevil of immeasurable age, rumored to be even older than Despater, although this is contested by the Iron Duke supporters. <laughs> Either way, Levistus finds himself belonging to the exclusive club of OG devils who rose to power alongside Asmodeus himself and predates the very existence of Beator. Um, and the rogue archdevil was one of the very first to attempt to overthrow Asmodeus, having yearned for power bound to station shortly after he, uh, first being granted control over Stygia. However, unlike what some may believe, the crime that saw Levistus imprisoned was far more despicable than betraying his hollow promise of loyalty to Asmodeus, and in truth, marked the punishment he received, eternal imprisonment, uh, or making, sorry, making the punishment they received, which was internal imprisonment, seem actually generous in comparison to the crime he committed. What could be worse than... A betraying a him mutiny you'll yeah. find out oh shit as the story goes asmodeus's consort bensosia was traveling through stygia inspecting the lair when levis ambushed her the how and why of it is disputed some say he approached as a colleague and ally at first while others reported that he slew all her pit fiend bodyguards in a flurry with the exception of the one escapee asmodeus's constable martinet then, depending on the teller of the tale, Levistus either offered to make Bensosia his queen in return for helping him oust her husband, confident she would know if he had a weakness, or Levistus simply tried to ravish her. When Bensosia refused him, Levistus angrily murdered her, and if her pit fiend guards were still alive by that point, them as well. Oh, man. Okay. So he killed the, he killed the boss's lay day. Yeah. Now, this is the public tale told throughout the Nine Hells, but it's quite possibly actually propaganda made to cover up Levistus's true crime and the role of another party. This is a, now a true crime podcast. It is. Welcome to True Crime, Beator. Welcome to Dungeons & Dragons True Crime. <laughs> Roll a disadvantage. <laughs> Bensosia was believed to have hated Asmodeus thoroughly, and if she refused such an offer, it would have been for a reason other than loyalty. Instead, the alternative telling describes Levistus and Bensosia as co-conspirators, each selfishly using the other as both a lover and as a means to undermine Asmodeus. However, the arrangement was jeopardized when Glacia, daughter of Asmodeus and Bensosia, became smitten with Levistus during one of his visits to Nessus. And seeing an opportunity to further turn Asmodeus' household against him, Levistus began a secret tryst with Asmodeus' daughter as well. Oh my goodness. These OG... <laughs> the drama. These OG <laughs> the drama. devils are just... They're <laughs> fucking everybody. Levistus knew too well that Glacia was immature and would react with violent envy if she discovered the truth and that Bensosia would be similarly furious about his his illicit activities, but he continued his facade regardless. 
Eventually, after one of her regular disputes with her father, Glazia fled to Levisus's arms only to find Bensozia already occupying them. Oh, dang. <laughs> Turning her already hateful feeling towards her mother into raw, murderous rage, Glazia supposedly killed her mother herself, sneaking into her palanquin later and slitting her throat. Martinet, the top piffing guide that we mentioned earlier, right. uh, charged with upholding Asmodeus' regime, framed Levisus for murder. Uh, so Asmodeus could save face and slaughtered the other pit fiends in order to leave no potential witnesses. Oh, my God. Okay. So if the alternative story is to be believed rather than uh, an out of fiery fury for his murdered consort, Asmodeus' choice to imprison Levisus was a cold, rational move done more for the sake of precedent than personal satisfaction. Glacia's hatred for Levisus would also be fundamentally different. Not the righteous fury of a grief-stricken daughter, but the heartbroken anger of a betrayed partner. I'm starting to see like the full spectrum of the soap the soap opera we have on our hands. Oh yeah. Every it's Nine crazy. Hells episode is just another I, like segment said, of the soap opera. I would kill for a D soap opera drama set in the Nine Hells. I would I would watch the shit out of the show. That's wild. Um yeah, let, me, let me help you out here. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh even before his imprisonment. Levisus had proven himself clever, charming, and capable, enough so for him to be given control over Stygia in the first place. Okay. Unable to move his body in his frozen state, Levisus's brooding mind has become not only fully aware of his surroundings, but preternaturally perceptive as a result of being detained for so long. With few distractions to occupy his mind, he can fully concentrate on maintaining and controlling his otherwise unfathomable network of agents and masterminding his plans in Stygia or otherwise to the smallest detail. This is nuts. So he's just still staying extra powerful in his like frozen body state. Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. when Frieza, this is some Dragon Ball shit, but when okay, Frieza dies on Earth, when he comes to Earth and Future Trunks kills Frieza, spoilers for Dragon Ball Z, okay, okay, he okay. goes to Earth Hell. Yes. Which is a, like every like planet has its own hell i guess but when yeah. you go to earth hell like frieza and earth hell is like surrounded by teddy bears and fairies and stuff he is they're yes. doing like a parade and but frieza's just sitting there thinking about killing goku the whole time uh -huh. so he doesn't power down from atrophy he he powers up because he's sitting there just thinking about yeah. how he's gonna fucking yeah. kill everybody yep yeah this is fucking awesome yes absolutely okay and, and there there's a lot of similarities here actually i see before being sealed away, Levisus made deals with those on the borderlands of the Nine Hells, particularly those not under the control of Asmodeus, and so his influence extended beyond the Nine Hells. Eugoliths, power-hungry pit fiends, failing dukes of hell, and other outcasts were sought out by the Frozen Prince's agents and made deals with Levistus. Most archdevils were uninterested in Levistus's plans involving the seemingly unimportant outer reaches of the Nine Hells, but by appealing to lesser dukes... Um, Aiming to reclaim their former station, Levisus gained access to useful, spot, useful spies to plant in their courts. He even feeds false information to Asmodeus' double agents, causing them to fall from the Dark Lord's favor and into his own clutches. That's interesting. Yeah, this dude is conniving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Regardless of his success in imprisonment, however, Levisus, who once relished his graceful agility, still desires first and foremost to be free of his humiliating and ironic immobility. Okay. Yeah, which, you know, that tracks. Yeah. Uh, when the Frozen Prince was free to move about, he was he almost always challenged his enemies to one-on-one -on -one duels to the death. Not simply because he normally had the advantage in such situ situations, but because of his own sense of honor and fair play. 
Yet, despite the Archdevil's strange chivalry, he was also infamously treacherous, having earned a reputation as a traitorous yet dashing debonair. His own rebelliousness was and is, in fact, his greatest flaw, as he can hardly restrain himself when given the chance to double-cross someone, even to his own detriment. <laughs> oh my it's like gosh. he's addicted to it. It's like, like we said earlier, if that one story is true, like he could have easily chosen not to sleep with Glazia, but the chance to double-cross both Benzosia and Asmodeus was too, like he couldn't resist it. It's just like, fuck everybody all the time. Absolutely. Man. It's just me out here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> his schemes have become more gradually uh, paced and wider in scope since his imprisonment, but the rakish rogue's inherent nature is and ever will be to betray. If Frieza was a gruff Clint Eastwood style cowboy with an ego complex or whatever. Yeah, I, you know, like, I don't get gruff from this guy. I get like, um, I get like a refined French accent, like frills, uh, duelist. A very debonair. Yeah, I see. Yeah, he's yeah. very debonair. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, even by the otherworldly standards of the Nine Hells, the realm of Stygia and its lord Levistus both occupy strange positions in the hierarchy. Stygia is a frozen wasteland of mysterious origin, a churning, murky sea covered in a thick layer of ice. Where the ice gives way to open water, immense icebergs drift on the unpredictable currents. Levistus is trapped within one of these bergs. Levistus was not always the lord of Stygia. The archdevil Gerion. Uh, previously ruled over the lair. For centuries, the two constantly vied for control of Stygia. The conflict ended when Asmodeus brought down his punishment on Levistus, who was frozen just after his latest victory over Gerion and the plane of Stygia itself. Ironically, the timing of Levistus's punishment is what has solidified his lordship over Stygia for so long. Within the ice, Levistus cannot be reached or harmed in any way. The displaced Lord Gerion still schemes to supplant Levistus as ruler of the realm, but he can't direct, directly affect his foe anymore. Like that, he used to. That's kind of interesting how that yeah. sort of played out. Okay. Yeah, almost like it was planned. So Asmodeus came and like c commands all the nine hells, right? Yeah, and the elements does. that exist there. So yep. he is both master of flame and ice. He's master of wherever the fuck he wants to go so in just, Beator. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, why is it cold, you know? Like, well, there there is a theory of the origin of Stygia, which we'll get into later. Okay, um, sounds good. Violence does, however, remain a viable option for Gerion against Levistus's servants. As such, Stygia has become a war-racked realm. Well, I guess I could kick his boy's asses. Exactly. <laughs> so I will. Any devils bound to either of the archdevils that aren't needed for the service in the Blood War engage in constant skirmishes across the ice, and Eugolus and other mercenaries from across the plains play a key role in the struggle. Excuse me. Both sides sometimes employ adventurers to seek out knowledge that could free Levistus or allow Jaren to vanquish him and ascend to the lordship. Okay. Yeah. With Levistus in control of Stygia, the harsh, chilling realm has become even more unbearable, with a sense of starvation and desperation permeating the denizens and landscape. Because uh, remember, each archduke also can affect their realm. It's just Asmodeus. If they're the state, if they're the governor, Asmodeus is the president. Right, they they can decorate the room as they wish. Yes, yeah. at will, but but the landlord can come and do override them at any point in time. It's like, you take down these LEDs off the ceiling right now. <laughs> what are you, some kind of Gen Z? Get that fucking shit off my walls. <laughs> exactly, okay. yes. Um, what was I saying? Uh, Prince Levistus's tomb aimlessly floats throughout the freezing ocean, occasionally getting stuck between larger icebergs at the outer reaches of the plane for years at a time. Ah, bummer. <laughs> and sometimes passing in and out of the river Styx. Levistus is incapable of controlling 
only direction in which the iceberg moves despite his regular attempts to do so, such as by having sails and rudders attached. And it's said that when the currents cause it to drift in an undesirable path, the light laughters of Asmodeus can be heard. He's such <laughs> that, a dick. That's great. He's like, ah, oh, bitch. Can you imagine LaVista's <laughs> trying to tell his fucking pit fiend followers? It was like, no, no, put this... Put the post up there so the sail can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it all falls apart. And you just hear Asmodeus laugh in the oh, sky. Oh, oh. <laughs> Aranees constantly guard the tomb from above while ice devils on ice float rafts uh, protected from below. Although they are known to take brides from visitors who uh, wish to see the Prince of Stygia. Hmm. The enchanted ice in Casey Glavistus is incredibly powerful and ancient, even by the standards of devil kind. Even if the snow and sleet of Stygia didn't freeze over attempts to break through it twice as fast as devils can mine, its resistance to magic could best any attempts to summon and teleport Glavistus out with even wish and miracle magic failing. Only persistent destruction of the ice or melting it with fire magically or otherwise could permanently alter its shape, but even then it immediately regenerates any attempts to free Glavistus specifically. So okay. like you can you can do whatever you want if you're using powerful magic, but the second your intent is to free Levistus, it it does not work. So you have to call like a bunch of red dragons, a bunch of fire giants, a bunch of like super good like like maybe some purple worms or something, and then you need to call like George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Uh, absolutely. This is how we're gonna break Levistus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, only Asmodeus seems to be capable of freeing Levistus from his tomb, and only does so once a year, so that he can sulkily attend the meetings of the Archdevils in Nessus. <laughs> that sucks. I know. They're really gonna does. refreeze your ass when we get yep, back here. So don't exactly. worry. He throw. <laughs> what what happens to the husk of like old iceberg? Is that just like I need to save this for later? Or I'll just make. It's probably just like I'll just make a new one. I think it's more along the lines of like when when the time has come, Osmodius snaps his fingers and Levistus teleports from within the iceberg to the table. Oh, he's just there, dripping all of a wet and probably miserable and pissed off. And then after the meeting's done, he snaps again and Levistus is right back in the iceberg. Oh, man, yeah. I would I would want a uh, Han Solo getting unfrozen from carbonite scene. I think that'd be much that, cooler. I mean, that would be cool, but also sounds more troublesome. Maybe he has to teleport the whole iceberg over. That would be kind of funny. <laughs> and they just have him like fucking <laughs> in the background in the giant iceberg. iceberg. That's hilarious. Um, other areas of the iceberg are able to be hollowed out, though, and have been converted into a labyrinthine array of corridors, chambers and vaults filled with ice devil militia and wary guard posts. The prison has become more akin to a fearsome palace of ice. Uh, perhaps the biggest threat of the tomb is uh, is its sheer cold, preserving corpses of intruders perfectly and using, using wicked magic to keep mortals alive. Oftentimes, imprisonment in such areas known as uh, halls of frozen memory is a punishment for heroic trespassers and their would-be rescuers, as well as disloyal or traitor's devil servants. So he's just got people on display. Halls of frozen yeah. memory. That is so fucking cool, mm, actually. It is pretty cool. Uh, those trapped are as sentient as Levistus, but have likely gone mad, filling the area with insane, inescapable screams and nonsense. Oh, my God. With it's the, just an asylum yeah, in there. With okay. the rare intelligent soul being unable to converse with others. This, though, it, or being able to converse with others, this, though, is a trap for if one is still too long within the tomb, they will become entrapped themselves. So if you stop to talk to one of these people who's still there enough to talk, you're in oh. danger of getting trapped. And they're just like here to tell you a fucking story about yeah, how they like, got Yeah, they're like, please there. get me out of here or whatever. Like, they don't want to let you go because they're they're going crazy. And you're like, can you can you hurry up and get to the Next point you know, here? And then you look down. Yeah, you look yep. down. There's ice crawling up your legs. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Guests deemed worthy to be invited inside the palace's suites are met with masterfully crafted decorations and furniture of crystalline ice. 
The combinations are both piercingly cold in order to keep the Archdevil's presence in the minds of those present and fanciful to remind visitors of his class and riches. Offering flesh and warmth to the chilled visitors, Levistus's succubi servants report any important information they discover. After scaling a spiral staircase, Levistus can be found 100 feet within the peak of the iceberg inside a towering rampart, leaving anyone trying to speak with him exposed to the Stygian winds. 100 feet is 30 meters, by the way. Oh, yeah. By, yeah. The frozen prince can be seen across a perilous 60-foot or 18-meter gulf with flying devils spiraling overhead, accompanied by an ancient white dragon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I think here we will take a short rest. I think we should speed run hell, because if we stop... It seems bad. Indeed. So let's take yeah, let's take a yeah, short rest before we do that. Shout out to Demogorgon. Shout out to Shout out to Shout out to Demogorgon. Oh yeah. Shout out to Demogorgon. Shout out to Shout out to Shout out to Demogorgon. Oh yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We've returned. Indeed we have. We're back at it again. Indeed we are. And guess what, Will? What? If you want to support us, you can do it on Patreon. Wait, you didn't need to guess that. You knew that. I did know that. I did. Um, if you caught last episode, we talked a lot about Patreon, so I'm not going to bog it down too much. But one of the best things you can get from there right now is these episodes early. Without ads. Without ads. You can also look at the episode notes that we are uh, reading off of the uh, teleprompter here. And if we do a character building episode, we upload our character sheets there as well. Uh, we're going to be a lot more diligent about doing those types of things. Uh, and we're going to be posting on Patreon on a weekly basis. We're also going to be putting up polls to let uh, patrons vote on what episodes that they want to see next. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to give you like a handful of options and you guys can help tell us which ones you want to see first, pretty much. Indeed. Um, and, you know, if we have if you have suggestions or anything like that, we're going to take your word first. So um, the be- the other best thing you can do besides spreading the word is leaving a Apple podcast review. Those help a lot. Leaving a dropping a five star on there is super incredible. And we love seeing the kind words. Uh, so thank you, everybody that has done that. We crossed a thousand uh, Apple iTunes reviews uh, a while back here. Mm-hmm. And it was all thanks to you guys. Obviously, we can't really do that. Um or, you know, Spotify review, wherever you're listening to the show, consuming the show, please leave some sort of review. If it's YouTube that you're on, hit that like, hit that subscribe, um, share the video, tell your friends. That's the best thing you can do for us. And with that, let's get back to the episode. All right. So every other layer of the Nine Hells has a function related to warfare, industry, administration, or commerce. Vestigia is an expanse of untamed, unimproved territory. Even so, it has its uses. All manner of unlikely beasts wander the frozen terrain and swim the seas, including Ramorazes, Krakens, Mammoths, even, and even a few tribes of frost giants. Wow. Uh, these denizens have no fear of any other creatures, including devils, which makes the, the place an ideal proving ground. Lesser devils that need to sharpen their combat skills or improve their endurance before reporting to Avernus for duty in the Blood War spend time in Stygia. That's dope. The cruelly cold environment, combined with the constant threats of attack, helps commanders assess their troops and place them into the various legions as appropriate for the skills that they demonstrate. Lord Levistus, should we build a tower fortress to keep everything? Not to. You've been out there, you know. Don't, yeah. don't bother with that nope. shit. So that would be cool to reflavor like your Krakens and Frost Giants to kind of be devil in a way. Yeah, you could do that for sure. Cold yeah. devils. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that makes me think that there might be like evil Remorazes out there too. Oh yeah, because yeah. we named a bunch of stuff that is adjacent to that. Yeah, absolutely. Probably a demonic pack, or I keep saying demonic, but I mean devil, Infernal. a devilish pack of wolves. Yeah, absolutely. Infernal Super wolves. cool. Yeah. Uh, the presence of so many creatures native to the material plane has led to speculation that Stygia was not always a layer of the hells, but was previously a world on the material plane. Its inhabitants facing annihilation are said to have pledged their souls and their world to Asmodeus in return for a safe haven. Whereupon, Asmodeus kept his end of the bargain by transporting the world into the hells. Wow. The Archmage Tzunk. 
That's Tzunk, right? Tzunk. 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 The Archmage Tzunk has researched the topic extensively, but has yet to find any evidence that truly confirms the account. If the supposition is true, then the riches of that world might lie under miles of ice and beneath frigid, monster-infested seas. So it might be a good place to go adventuring if you're willing to try and survive there. So a a town or something was like, Asmo, help us? A world. A, a whole world. world. A world, yes. Well, how did that help them, though? I don't get it. Well, basically, it was like, they said the world was facing annihilation, so I don't know. Maybe their sun was about to go supernova. Okay. Um, so it was basically this or no planet at all. I see. Yeah. All right. So I'm sure all the people who died there, their souls eventually became, because they sold their souls. Yeah. So there might be devils still around <laughs> that were like, originally people from that world. Seems like lose-lose here. Yeah, but at least with this one, you technically live. I don't know. All right. So I don't, I don't know. It's all, it's all hearsay. <laughs> of all the archdevils, Levistus is the most hated by his peers for whom he holds a mutual enmity. Uh, he is ridiculed and reviled by them not because of his poor standing with Asmodeus. The reason why they would rather not associate with him is because of his constant attempts to elevate himself at the clear expense of others and his refusal to play by established rules. Right. Uh, their combined disdain for the Frozen Prince leaves him unable to succeed in most of his plans since he is one of the few beings whose schemes all the other archdevils would unite in order to ruin, even those who would normally never even consider alliances. You know, with that with that last subject, with like converting that world to hell, mm-hmm. um, it's probably the terms and service agreements contract, and it's so fucking long, and you just have to click uh, agree to terms and services and sign it at the bottom, and you mm-hmm. didn't like really that because we're dealing with devil stuff. Oh so yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, like, yeah that's I'll save you. I'll save you people. Sign right here. Exactly. Yes. Cool. The Lord of the Sixth, Glazia, holds a personal grudge against him for his ancient betrayal regarding her mother, Bensosia. Even as Levistus made plans to seduce the real rebellious princess of hell. Uh, Belial, meanwhile, Lord of the Fourth, is troubled by his reappearance since, as a similarly old-school devil, he's proved a worthy opponent capable of decimating his armies. Oh. And Levistus, of course, has rivals within Stygia itself, primarily his arch-nemesis, Gerion, who we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levistus also has to deal with the similarly brutal Sekula, the shark deity of the Sahuagin, who, desire control over his, who desires control over his domain. We talked about Sekula in the Sahuagin episode. Sahuagin. Sahuagin. Um... But Levistus is not without his allies. Levistus also has high-level lieutenants, such as the Ice Devil Sorcerer, Eridon Alica, who is constantly telepathically linked to Levistus via an arcane ritual, and Xanth, a Cambion assassin. Levistus realizes that military might alone is not enough to take over the other circles of the Nine Hells, at least not while the other Archdevils have equal support from their pit fiends and their devil hordes. And lacking direct control over his own domain, Levistus has been forced to use unorthodox unorthodox methods to influence it. He's done so primarily through his Amnizus. Amnizus are ruthless, tyrannical, and fiercely intelligent higher devils and are the trusted courtiers, chancellors, and sycophants of Levistus. In SuperQuest Saga, you guys met a higher devil named Elop Ball. Uh, check out SuperQuest Saga, uh, yeah. our uh, actual D&D 5th edition sci-fi actual play campaign <laughs> yeah. that will DMs and I in, play in. Indeed. But you guys met Elop Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. That's a very memorable NPC yeah, for me. Elop Ball the Enchainer, I believe yes. his name was, and he was an Amnizu. Oh, okay. So you have an idea of what an Amnizu is right. personally. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, he had a big train. He had a big train. He did. Filled with souls of the damned. Indeed he did. In space. <laughs> in space. Yeah. Uh, he has given very special treatment to the Amnizus by convincing the Amnizus that they are above the laws of Beator and outside the devil hierarchy. He further inflates their egos and has earned himself their particular favor and loyalty. Not only does the subs- 
the subversive archdevil used the amnesies to carry out schemes against his peers, but his favoritism has also caused them to be naturally undermining and suspicious toward pit fiends, most other archdukes top brass. Mm. So he is he has sowed chaos between the ranks across the other archdevils wow. by doing this one simple thing. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Asmodeus's seeming indifference in regards to Levistus' actions, such as his constant disrespect and blatant animosity towards his fellows, is confusing to infernal nobles throughout the hells. Regardless of what he actually did, he attempted to seduce and played a part in the death of Bensosia, and yet he was returned to power in the place of the loyal Gerion. Uh, a theory for the odd situation has arisen, positing that Levistus is actually just a convenient pawn. Okay, that tracks. When Asmodeus displaced Gerion, it was thought that the energy taken from him was not given to the imprisoned Levistus, but was saved for the ascension of Glacia, and Levistus's provocatory behavior was tolerated because it distracted from this plot. Oh. If you remember, for some reason that no one knows exactly, um, Glacia and Asmodeus used to fucking hate each other. Okay. Somehow they, they formed a deal. He kills Mel, uh, uh, Malagard, the, the ruler of Malvolge, by by fucking turning her into the layer itself. So that whole layer was made of her fucking flesh. That's right. I remember shit. that. And then he he put his daughter in charge and turned her into an archduke. So people were saying he got the extra like energy to do that from robbing it from Jira and allowing Levistus to take control. Okay, yeah. So there's like a pool of god power that gets distributed throughout all of the archdevils. I and guess stuff. so, yeah, he gets sure. Distributed as he will. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not giving her some of mine. And so, because the Glacia thing kind of like rocked the politics of the Nine Hell so much, he allowed this Levisus thing to happen because it distracted from that a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's like what the media does when they're signing important bills in Congress here in America. Right. Levisus has come to accept the theory, both hated but hated both of its implications. Not only that he has been utterly outmaneuvered and his plans were used as a smokescreen for a grander scheme, but that he will have to temper his behavior in the future. Even his current war against Jerion was thought to be another test of Asmodeus, designed either to force the two archdevils to overcome their fatal flaws, or failing that, create the circumstances for a more competent lord to rise from the aftermath. Oh, shit. So Levisus is just not in a good place right now. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as most, most archdukes do, Levisus has worshippers, cultists, and petitioners. As part of Levisus's punishment, Asmodeus decreed that he must offer escape and safety to the desperate, especially those who fear for their lives. A criminal might entreat Levisus on the eve of his execution, for instance, agreeing to exchange his soul for a boon that enables him to escape to safety. With nothing to do in his tomb other than answer distant entreaties from the material plane, Levisus has attracted the devotion of a wide variety of criminals, rascals, and ne'er-do-wells uh, from across the multitude of worlds. He continues to meet his quota of souls, both despite his lack of mobility and because of it. Being imprisoned means that Levisus can focus his full attention on such matters, which allows him to excel at what he does. Nice. Okay. He's got nothing better to do, so he works hard. Right. <laughs> Might as well. Just right. stuck in some ice, do some brain power stuff. Mm -hmm. Levisus is the patron of the traitors and vengeful, those that committed acts so heinous in their quest of a retribution that their misdeeds were recorded in bardic tales for generations. Funnily enough, his followers, known as Blade Reavers, hardly match the image of sinister cultists, solemn priests, or zealous fanatics. Instead, wielding rapiers and wearing flamboyant outfits more commonly seen on daring swashbucklers. That's cool. Yeah, that really does lean into the appearance, the persona that you uh, 
talking about earlier. Right. Even if not for their appearance, Blade Rivers are rarely ever actually cultists since they don't belong to cults. Uh, because his base of worshippers is comprised of rogues and ruffians, his followers lack cooperative skills and, as often as not, simply betray each other. It's just a fucking squad of Han Solos. Yeah, it's just the Han Solos all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> None of them want to hang out together. No, no. Mutual mistrust between them is why permanent shrines of Levisus are rare in favor of individual portable shrines, allowing each to worship in their own way. Levistan cultists are often nomads, and those that aren't uh, live on the fringes of society in order to obtain supplies. When possible, they dwell as far from civilization as possible, spending months or years in isolation before returning. Can you guys hang out? I'm going to take a... You guys should take a short rest. I'm going to take mine over here. Pocket pocket shrine. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Uh, this is because Levistus' followers are obsessed, sometimes to the point of psychosis, with their revenge, spending that time stoking their rage and meticulously crafting the smallest details of their plans. Nice. By appealing to their bitterness and promising a chance um, to exact retribution, Levistus acquires the service of rebels, hated inmates, and exiled political rivals. Subtly and long-term plans for vengeance are... Or subsumption of authority are encouraged until the schemer, who might once have been a decently moral of of decent moral character, is slowly but surely made utterly wicked. Yeah, there's there's always that theme of slow decline, like you know yep. the worm and the apple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Levistus is also a patron of survival, since Lemodius has decreed that as part of his punishment. He's required to offer those in danger, typically life-threatening, a chance to escape. Like ordinary Blade Reavers, such followers aren't actually cultists, simply individuals trapped in seemingly inescapable situations, such as drow pushed to their breaking point by their cruel society. Hmm. Normally, Levisus grants uh, would-be escapees a singular chance to escape in exchange for their souls. So there's not even a good chance half the time. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but it's your last chance. That's so. it. I mean, it's your only option. Right. Powerful Levistan cultists have access to a spell called Bind to Hell, allowing them to send the souls of mortals and bodies of outsiders to hell, <laughs> specifically in, Stygian muse- in a Stygian museum known as the Hall of Va- the Vanquished. Heroes, archons, and demons alike are trapped to dramatic poses on the pedestals of ice with descriptions of their deeds and abilities alongside tactics for facing similar threats. What the F? Are the, you for real? Yeah, the cultists who send them are required to utter a trigger word allowing the victim to be freed in case a visiting devil or other cultist wants to face them in combat. Blueberries. And then they, they <laughs> activate agent blueberries. Exactly. Okay. Levistus rewards worshippers with powers allowing them to draw upon the Stygian cold to freeze their enemies with some folktales claiming that those pledged to Levisus are never warmed and have icy handshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Levisus and warlocks have special abilities allowing them to seal themselves within ice temporarily to avoid harm. Okay. Levisus is occasionally willing to meet those seeking a personal audience with him after they are judged as worthy by his highest ranking devils. Suitable gifts have to be brought before him including vast amount of wealth um, valuable secrets about his rivals, a mass of insignificant individual souls, or a soul of singular importance, and rarely is one of these considered enough. They are forced to formally and respectfully present themselves before him and can be kept waiting for years before Levisus finally converses with them, despite Levisus being able to telepathically communicate from even outside his iceberg. <laughs> a clear indicator that he values only their offers and not the presenters themselves. Oh, man. He's a dick. Levisus crazy. He's crazy, yeah. Uh, he openly exploits his invulnerability in negotiations, laughing at threats and sending devils to kill or imprison anyone who insults him, but is otherwise willing to hear out, if not accept, offers from anyone. 
He is able to provide information about the other layers of hell, exiled dukes and archdukes, or aid in plots to liberate other souls from hell, provided that the individual he's bargaining with seems powerful enough to cause disruptions in hell. Yeah, because that's his kink. Yeah, he wants to send people just fuck shit up. Yeah, go make it more difficult for everybody else. Betray whoever. I yes. like that. I yes, like that a lot. Exactly. Let's do it. However, he is just as likely to provide misinformation to turn his co-conspirators into distractions and will, of course, attempt to corrupt them every step of the way. Right. The guy who showed up an hour before you is like twice as powerful and I need you to run a distraction while he does his thing. Exactly. Yes. Okay. As an Archduke of Hell, Levistus is a powerful and immortal being. When free from his icy prison, he is a swashbuckling swordsman of legendary prowess, capable of precise moves, acrobatic movements, and elaborate parrying to fell his opponents. He deflects not only sword swings, but also spells back at his foes. Normally, he fights defensively, using his expertise to combat in combat to ward off attacks if met with a worthy opponent and retreating when in actual danger. Levistus can also use his touch to drain the memories of others, leaving them stunned for a few seconds and wiping their knowledge of their past. Whoa. He normally taunts those who lose their memories through his ability with vague hints of their former selves rather than killing them. That's fucked up. Mm -hmm. He's resistant to the cold and can manipulate it through spells like Wall of Ice or Ice Storm, with his other magical abilities allowing him to enthrall and command others or create a symbol of pain. He can summon ice devils and pit fiends, but only calls for assistance when his duels are interfered with. In such cases, he creates an ice storm to create space between him and his foes and walls of ice to cut his enemies off from each other. He has to rely on his other spell-like abilities while trapped in his ice prison. Clairvoyance, Major Image, Scrying, Unholy Aura, and Wish, for examples. Okay. Levistus's favorite weapons are his enchanted rapier and his main gosh, uh, the former of which is imprisoned alongside him. Jeez, man. Anything you want to add, ask, or comment on when he's, it comes to Levistus? He's pretty cool. I like to rank everybody against Maman. Like secretly. Maman is kind of the worst one. Yeah, he's, like, he's, okay, how much cooler are you than, than Maman? Maman? But I can see Maman's place at the table as, like, the slimy little bastard he is, right? So. Right. I would say uh, you may think Maman is the bottom of the barrel right now, but we have not talked about Beelzebul yet. Beelzebul. And he is probably, if anyone in, uh, amongst the like morally. Like, is more repugnant yeah. than Maman, it's probably Belzebul. So what layer is this? Uh, we so are number five. Number five. We still okay. got well, Six, technically seven, three eight. more. Because we're not gonna we already did Asmo. We're not gonna do Asmo again? We already did Asmo. There's nothing else to talk about. I guess so. Yeah, we well, talked about Asmo and the Nine Hells. That's uh, yeah, that is true. We did yeah. we did do that in the first year. So he doesn't need it. I mean, he doesn't need it. I mean, we episode. talk about Asmo like in every single one of these. Yes, it's also. true. Yeah. Very true. So go listen to that episode and then fill out flesh out the details with these episodes in the future ones. Indeed. And that should that should handle it. Um should we long rest? We should long rest. Let's do that. Wow, that's incredible that we got placed in adjacent cell blocks. You know, a well-timed suggestion and illusory script is all you need to make things happen sometimes. I'm completely out of spell slots, though. Yeah, me too, I'm wiped. That's weird, because I kept winking at you repeatedly to help me out, and it just kind of seemed like you sort of weren't paying attention. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I was, uh, totally distracted by those two detectives and started laughing hysterically for no apparent reason. Pretty wild, huh? <sighs> I should have known that was you. You wasted both your spells on those two guys? I only used the spell on one of them. I'm not sure why it's the second I started laughing too. Maybe they were trying to courtesy laugh or something. C courtesy laugh? Yeah, you know. Like, when you laugh along, even though you might not understand or think it's funny to make the other person feel more comfortable. That's weird. Is that really a thing? Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll take your word for it. Uh, so, where'd your other spell slot go? 
Hey man, here's your uh, chicken nuggies like you wanted. Uh, it was harder to get in here than you might think, so don't ask me again, okay? I could lose my job over this. I'm not even sure why I did. It was totally unwise, no matter which way you slice it. Oh, come on, dude. Everything worked out fine, right? Thanks a bunch. I wanted chicken nuggies so bad. Oh, here, uh, he told me to get you this one. Sweet, a 20-piece. That's fucking radical. This is gonna be one of the best short rests ever. Thanks, man. I'm Grimly, by the way. I'm... I'm Grumly. Thanks again. What's your name, brother? Uh, I'm not really, uh, comfortable telling you that right now. Hey, that's okay. We don't really know each other after all. How about we call you our, uh, like, our special guest for now? Um, I guess that's okay. Cool, cool. So, uh, special guest, or are you, are you in the podcast? I bet you listen to a lot of them being on this late shift here pacing the halls, right? Yeah, things get a little lonely, so I usually keep an earbud in to pass the time. I'm sort of in between shows right now, just trying to find the, uh, the right sort of vibe. Oh, wow, well, this is perfect timing. Have you ever heard of the Dungeon Cast? Uh, no, I don't think so. What a shame. You'd probably really enjoy it. Agreed. Uh, what's it about? It's, it's not a sex thing, is it? <laughs> Generally speaking, it's not. Sort of depends on what episode. Listen, that's neither here nor there. It's a D&D podcast, all about the game's lore, mechanics, and subtle nuances. It's a show where a veteran expert researches a specific topic for each episode and explains it to a novice who does color commentary with some humor thrown in. Okay, that sounds kind of nice. Uh, I've been hearing so much about D&D lately from, uh, from Stranger Things and Rick and Morty, mostly. Uh, there are some coworkers here that play. Listen, special guest, why don't you go put on an episode or two and make your way back here? Tell us what you think. You two seem alright. Uh, you clearly have good taste in food, so your taste in content is probably just as good. Uh, I'll listen to a couple and make my way back here before the end of my shift. Uh, see you in a bit. <laughs> so it begins. Everybody, welcome to the long rest. This is the part of the episode where we're gonna chill the fuck out because that was crazy. Maybe yes. we need a blanket up in here. Yeah, maybe we do. Are you cold as ice? I'm not actually. It's burning hot. It is super <laughs> hot in the studio. So thanks to everybody that supports us on Patreon.com/slash/TheDungeonCast because we're we've been scrapping together some funds to make our current studio situation much more. Uh, amicable for recording and durable and, and, and I think durable the yeah and it's just very uh it's very hot because it's a garage but we're going to make it a nice place to be and uh it's all thanks to you so thank you guys so much we did shout outs last episode but for anybody that came in you will get your shout out on the next time we record we record our episodes in batches of threes to help us save a little bit of time give us some space to edit and things like that um yeah so that's uh, that's what happens when you get early episodes. It's because we've recorded them in a big batch. We're going to kind of change the way that we do some of those those things, like uh, how we release early episodes and when. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to promote community involvement. Uh, right now, you can hit us up on Discord. Um, you can join our Discord with the link in the description below. Mods, get ready. Buff yourselves up for that, because whenever we say that, a lot of people go to Discord. Um, 
but it's a great place to talk community. You can talk about the Dungeon Cast or Super Quest Saga or just talk about D&D stuff. I think that's mostly what goes on there. People looking for people to play games with, character creation help, DM advice. Yeah, they talk about lore. Nature. They talk about everything. And there are, all our mods are incredibly knowledgeable. Um, I would say more knowledgeable in the D&D rules-specific stuff than us. So they're uh, they're an excellent resource for you to, to go and utilize there. And it's a great place to make friends, like we said before. So if you want some like-minded people that are into tabletop RPGs. Um, also, there's like really cool stuff there that goes on all the time, like cooking contests and book clubs. And like, I don't think, I don't know if they're doing the book club stuff so much these days, but like it still exists and you can go check that stuff out. You can also check out our merch store. It's at uh, the dungeon, dungeoncast.com or no, no, it's at um, what, spreadshop.com spreadshirt spreadshirt. spreadshirt. Spread oh, no, no, it's a spreadshop. Spreadshirt.com is spreadshirt. slash Dungeon Cast. But it's called our spread shop. Once you get there, you can dirty. see our spread shop. <laughs> Speaking of spreading, oh, you, uh, you, you can spread the word about the show. Uh, some of the best ways to do that besides word of mouth, which is the best way, is to leave an Apple podcast review. Uh, hit that five star. Say something cool in there. Uh, we love to see that stuff. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, uh, especially, and you haven't done that, we really do encourage you to do so. If you want to help us out, it's like one of the best ways. It boosts the algorithm and visibility of this show. It helps spread Eagle the word. I mean, spread the word. I mean, spread Eagle the word. Uh, you can also just leave a review on whatever podcast I app you're listening Blood to. Eagle. Blood Eagle. Spread okay. Eagle. Blood Eagle. We're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Oh, geez. Okay, so uh, we did the spread the word. Oh, yeah, hit the like, comment, subscribe. You know that, that whole bit. Hit the bell. Get those notifications, baby. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, TikTok, Instagram. Stuff's going on there. Um, that's pretty much it, though. I mean, if you like what we do here, please support us. And, uh, oh, you can hit us up on the dungeoncast at gmail.com. If you're looking for, like, ad inquiry or things like that, uh, if you want to say hello, if you want to send us some mail, you can do so. We have a P.O. box. The uh, address for that is below in the notes, along with a bunch of other great stuff, including almost everything that we mentioned here. So thank you guys so much for watching the show. We really appreciate you guys a lot. We love you. Love you very much. I don't say that as much anymore these days, but I'm going to start saying it again. I love you guys. Um, yeah. You got, you got anything else for us? No, I think you covered it all. Very we well done. Covered it all. I think it's time we called it a game. Bye. We'll talk to you guys later. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.